All right. Well, let me um, let me get us started. And um, the first thing that I want to just say is um, Happy Mother's Day. And uh, to the mother in all of us, and the mothers of all of us, happy Mother's Day. So it's kind of a um, nice nice day to, to meet together because there's so, hopefully, so much um, sense of goodness um, that we've gotten either from our own mothers or from others who have mothered us compassion, kindness, care, protection. Yeah, nice, nice energy. So hopefully you're connecting with the goodness of mothering in your life. And here we are on our eighth, uh, eighth path factor. Um, Sama Samadhi, Samadhi or wise concentration is our topic for today. So um, I I was thinking about um, the path that we've been walking. And I thought that I might um, just rouse the energy from each step in this path. So as we join together today, may we see clearly with a wise view. May our intentions reduce suffering. May we speak with care. May we act in ways free from harming ourselves and others. May we engage fully with wise livelihood, wise living. May our efforts be just right, not too much, not too little, just right. May our mindfulness be like a lantern in the dark. And may our mind be unified, undivided, at ease, and supported by the foundation of the path factors before and behind. Yeah. So I think that's all I want to say. Well, wait, there's one more thing. Our break will be at the normal time, 1.55. Maybe that's five minutes earlier. And we'll have a longer meditation instead of a second Dharma talk today. And I want to say this now so that when you have your break, um, I invite you to take the break very mindfully, aware of moving and tasting and whatever else you do to support your sitting back down again with mindfulness as we, we enter the meditation, which will be for 40 minutes. So be sure to take care of your bodies and um, let, us, let us now allow Chris to let us ground and connect with our, our awareness. Thank you, Tanya. So just taking a few minutes, 10 minutes or so here to come into this space, come into your bodies, 
grounding, settling. Maybe just setting the conditions for samadhi to arise, inviting inviting those conditions, inviting settling and centering. Coming into our whole bodies, nothing held apart. A feeling of being aligned, centered, awake, gradually settling into an internal center of gravity. The intention to relax and open, open and include not grasping, softening, letting go of what is pulling and fragmenting your attention, everything that's calling you from somewhere else over there out of this moment. Letting go into this moment, right here. Not straining, not grasping. Settling into the contact of your bottom with your seat. Maybe letting the breath be drawn down into the body. being in the center, the flow of the breath, gently aware of the whole body, both sides of the body, arms, legs, front and back. A feeling of safety and trust. This gentle, open, relaxing quality of awareness. Just as the body is resting on the chair, allow the mind the heart to rest in the body, 
slowly allowing all the energy of the day and the thoughts to collect and settle, be drawn to settle down. Chris, Chris, can you unmute? Sorry. Well, sorry, had a long guided meditation there that no one has been hearing. No. No, we heard. I just muted everyone. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, let's settle some more. Let's settle again. Reconnecting with the body, the contact of your seat, the breath as it rises and falls through the core of your body. Allowing the breath to keep calling your attention back to it. Finding a home in that movement of the in-breath, release of the out-breath. Gradually beginning to sustain the attention, becoming more intimate with the sensations of the in-breath, the out-breath. Very gently and softly, noticing again the breath, 
allowing attention to be drawn into the center, nestling in to the center of the body, the center of the breath. Just for now, releasing the pull from other concerns, settling. Settling back and staying at home, right in the middle of the whole breath. When we open our eyes, seeing if you can just stay settled back within your own inner refuge in the body, the breath. Staying in touch with perhaps your seat. the support of your back.
I'll turn it over to David Laurie, our dear friend David is joining us today. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for a lovely sit. Um, and thanks for just uh, the invitation to, to teach with the two of you. And in absentia with Ying Chen and, and Bruni Davila, um, close friends and companions in the path, the, the five of us. It's really great to be here. Um, I love teaching about samadhi, and uh, I've shared that with, with Chris and Tanya. I can't tell you exactly why, but I think it's a, uh, it's a factor of the path, and it's a component or an element of our practice that is, um, it brings out wonderful, beautiful qualities of the heart and also can be a field of insight. <clears throat> and I thought today in this brief talk of 20 minutes, I would, decode, I would decode and demystify samadhi. This is what I promised, Tanya. Um, not an easy thing to do in, in 20 minutes, but I'm going to give it a try. And uh, I'll, I'll give some definitions I'll look at a sutta, a discourse of the Buddha, to provide a sense of where we, how we find samadhi, why samadhi, sama samadhi in the in the uh, in the early teachings. Talk a little bit about how to sort of um, integrate it in practice or develop it, cultivate it in practice, and then if there's time, take a couple questions. Although I say decode and demystify. I want to start with just demystifying a little bit. Uh, when Chris in this opening sit invites us to center our attention in the here and now, she used this phrase uh, to find and orient ourselves towards a center of gravity in our meditation. That's samadhi. That use of the word center in particular, as we'll see, is sort of uh, conveys, captures the heart of <clears throat> what the samadhi mind. Uh, looks like in meditation. So let me say a couple things. Decoding is all fine and good, but let me begin with demystifying just a little bit. Samadhi, why samadhi as we cultivate it in our practice, isn't like some foreign land that you've never been to where you don't know the language or the landscape. Um, I like to think of it, what came to me a few moments ago, is it's more like an orange or some other familiar fruit. Somebody's telling you about what an orange is like. It's this color. You peel it off like this. It has this, this scent that arises when you pluck the skin that you enter into it, that typically it's juicy, refreshing, can be cold. Um, in other words, as, as we explore it a little bit today, I think my, my hope is that you'll recognize and you go, ah, this is what this 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 uh, this samadhi is about. In other words, something that you know something about that's there in your meditation. Um, I like the orange metaphor because samadhi is also a fruit of our practice. Nice little pun there. And it's a fruit in more than just a metaphorical sense. It is something that we cultivate. We 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 establish conditions for. We may provide some sun or some soil or some water or some nutrients. But the, the flowering of it or the, 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 um, the fruiting of it is something that we just let happen. There's a lot more letting in the cultivation that is allowing than there is effort in the um, cultivating or supporting of wise 
samadhi. And we're going to focus a lot today on practice because that's where it arises. Instead of giving a lot of technical sort of words about it, we want to keep bringing us back to sort of a direct engagement with our practice. We're going to, I'm talking today and in general, this team of teachers is going to be mostly talking about something that we can refer to as the, the, the samadhi of the early discourses, the samadhi of the early Buddhist um, tradition. And this is important to say to make this distinction because later in the commentarial tradition, in the Vasudhi Magga, and things you may have read, um, Samadhi is presented and the jhanas are presented as these sort of trance-like states. And uh, this is not how they appear in the early teachings where we sort of, you know, in different ways trace our, our training and lineage. And so I'm not going to focus a lot on the jhana factors and the things that emerge as the different jhana factors appear in practice can answer questions about that if absolutely necessary, but more sort of our own direct experience of um, samadhi and how we can um, make use of this, the, uh, the accumulating and growing um, collectedness or groundedness or centeredness of mind in, in our meditation practice. So let me start with some definitions. <clears throat> and uh, I want to bring this up here and just give you two sets of definitions. Watching an eye on the clock here. Um, and it's interesting to note that the word that is most commonly used to translate samadhi is concentration. And yet we use it in its earliest sense the action of bringing to a center, the act of collecting or combining into or, or around a central point. Concentration has come to mean, and it comes to mean much later, this idea of mentally focusing. But this is the, this is the meaning that we find, uh, I think, maybe most useful in the practice and that uh, Chris beautifully alluded to in the opening meditation. We can see this, although the translators who foisted the word concentration on us um, actually had a fairly um, nuanced translation, they, they were products of this period and this meaning of the word concentration, and that shows up in some of the way we have it. But even in the uh, Polytech Society's Poly English Dictionary, we can see that Samadhi is defined as a concentrated, self-collected, <clears throat> intense state of mind and meditation, which can it with other aspects of the Eightfold Path, we could say, is a condition for higher wisdom and freedom. So the best translation I would urge you to consider of the word Samadhi is Samadhi. As you get into this practice, you'll notice we start using more and more of the words in their original language because the translations frequently don't convey all that's there in these wonderful terms. This is true of dukkha. It's true of sati, the word that's translated as mindfulness. It's true of nirvana or nibbana. And it can be true of samadhi. So I've so far not, except for maybe once, because it was written on the page, used the word concentration. And my intention... Hello? Hello. My concentration for the rest of the talk is to um, is to not use it and see how it how it fits. 
So what I'd like to do next is just very briefly give a sense of how samadhi, sama samadhi, appears in the text. I make reference to Majjhima Nikaya 39, the great discourse at Asapura. And uh, this, is, this is a beautiful, um, a beautiful sutta in many ways. Uh, but I think the way that the practice of samadhi appears in it is very instructive. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. It would take more time than we have. Um, and it proceeds in a very traditional fashion. The Buddha is speaking with uh, a circle of his uh, disciples or practitioners. And he is asked a question. A lot of the discourses take the form of a Q&A with the Buddha, I like to think. After the day's meditation and in the evening, uh, people circle around and a Q&A with the Buddha ensues. And uh, basically, in this case, they say, we've done all the, 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 the practitioners around the Buddha say, we've done all these things. Is there anything else to do? What else must we do? And the Buddha responds, indeed, there's more to be done. And then he gives a complete outline of the practice. And you can find in here the eightfold, eightfold path factors with which you're now familiar. They turn up here in a different guise, physical conduct, verbal conduct, conduct, mental conduct, the aspects of wise action and wise speech, wise livelihood, <clears throat> um, wise action. Wise mindfulness all turn up in this description of there's more to be done. Each time the monks or the practitioners think they've completed all that needs to be completed, the Buddha says, no, there's, there's more to be done. Be mindful and completely aware. You know these instructions. And then eventually he arrives, as we've done in the course of this year, at the meditation practice. And sets this up. We, we do this every time we meditate. Um, we as practitioners find a secluded dwelling place, not usually a forest or a base of a tree, a mountain, a valley, a cave, a cemetery, a grove, etc. But typically we find a place that's quiet and we sit down, cross our legs and establish mindfulness. This is the classic practice and uh, of course the, the focus of last month. In establishing mindfulness, we um, leave behind the five hindrances, which are outlined here. And eventually, as the meditation stills, as we keep bringing attention back to the here and now of our experience, the here-ness and the now-ness of our experience, the mind settles into increasingly centered, grounded, collected, gathered states. I think exactly the center of gravity that Chris was speaking of when she brought, our, brought us here in the guided meditation that we began. And the more we meditate, the more we sit in meditation, the calmer, the stiller, the more centered, the more collected, the more gathered, the more grounded. All of these words are really nice translations of samadhi. Some of them are very literal. Some of them are a little bit more imaginative, but they all capture parts of what samadhi means. The more we sit, the more centered, the more collected, the more, um, at the same time, the heart opens. The more you could say we also come to be able to see clearly what's going on in our experience without adding a lot to it, without 
being particularly for or against it without struggling with it so much. All of this happens in this centered, collected, gathered mind of samadhi. And eventually, and I'm, I'm, these are beautiful similes that are used, most of them having to do with water. And I'm, I'm going to let Tanya uh, work with us with them later in a meditation. But in each case, the, the Buddha gives a simile, a comparison, and says, this is when we find the mind gathered so that I'll just give you one example. It's like a lotus pond with different colored lotuses in it, some of which are below the water, some of which are coming up to the surface. And the mind uh, is thus saturated, permeated, filled, and suffused with cool water. So there's these beautiful metaphors that we can use as visualizations, we can use as a way to connect with the experience of a gathered, collected, centered, grounded mind. And I think there's one that I don't know that Tanya will get to, but I think is uh, quite significant at the end of this series. And I'm going to change this word right here and now. When the mind is samadhied in this way, because that's the word in the Pali, when the mind is samadhied in this way, completely pure, clean, flawless, without defilement, malleable, workable, stable, imperturbable, one directs the mind to the knowledge of the mental floods, the asavas. One understands suffering as it is. One understands the cause of or the arising of suffering. One understands the cessation of suffering. And one understands the method of practice that leads to the end of suffering. So with the mind really cool, collected, centered, we see clearly, and this is critical, this is really important. Samadhi isn't, the the collected, centered mind of samadhi isn't uh, an end in itself. It's a field for seeing clearly and for opening the heart. And this is captured in this in a a wonderful simile. The Buddha says, practitioners, it is like a lake in a mountain range, transparent, clear, undisturbed. Standing on the shore, a person with good eyesight can see oysters, shells, stones, pebbles, and fish moving about and fish holding still. And that person would think, This is a transparent, clear, and undisturbed lake. Here there are oysters, shells, stones, pebbles, fish moving about, and fish holding still. Practitioners in the same way, a practitioner understands suffering as it is, understands the arising of suffering, understands a cessation of suffering, and understands a path leading to the end of suffering. So because it's beautiful, to me. Um, And because I think it gives a a flavor of where samadhi fits in the practice, both in the Eightfold Path and sort of as a a field for practice, I think it's useful to take a look at those passages. Let me say a couple things about samadhi and practice. And we're going to, we're focusing on practice today, and we'll do this in small groups in a moment, and then also in a long, uh, long meditation later. Um, When we read these things in these texts, we can see them as instructions or we can see them as descriptions. We can toggle back and forth between a set of instructions that says, do this, do all these practices and the mind will center and settle. Or we can know that as we do this practice, it's a natural aspect of a human mind that it will become more centered and collected and concomitantly, the heart will also open. 
So we can balance the efforting that goes into it and the allowing it to take place. When we watch the mind become more settled, when we notice that it's becoming more centered, more collected, more gathered, stiller, that noticing it, that bringing our attention to it, strengthens it. That's how we cultivate it. So allowing it, noticing it is all that we need to do. That in a sense is maybe the principal condition for letting the mind collect and gather and become samadhied. We incline the mind toward greater ease at each forking of the path. As we sit in meditation, as you know, there, the mind will move off and start getting snagged up in this or that or projecting into the future or getting caught up in something. And um, each time we move, we move toward greater ease. Wise effort, right? We remember to keep returning to the here-ness and now-ness of our experience every time we kind of start to move away. Wise mindfulness. By exercising those two inclinations of mind, very increasingly subtle ways, the mind centers, gathers, collects itself, stills itself. And there we can notice, like a practitioner looking into a clear mountain lake, we can look and see clearly, seeing clearly what's there in our experience. So the relationship between samadhi and insight is a really important one. And I would just say that I've summarized it for years the following way. And it takes, uh, it takes using the word samadhi in its uh, original meaning and as a verb, that the samadhied mind, or if you want, the mind in samadhi sees clearly. The samadhied mind sees clearly. So these aren't two paths of practice. It's just that as the mind becomes collected, it sees clearly. I thought for a long time, this was original to me. And, you know, that's always silly. So I was really pleased to find that in, in a new book by Bhikkhu Bodhi, the translator called Reading the Buddha's Discourses in Pali. The very first, after 100 pages of Pali grammar, which is really pretty, I don't know, I'll say tedious uh, to me, it was, a, it was a tough slog. The very first passage he translates is from the Samadhi Sutta, the Samadhi Discourse. And the passage reads like this in Pali first, Samadhi Bhikave Bhateva, Samitito Bhikave Bhiku Yata Bhutam Pajanati. The translation of which is, practitioners, cultivate the Samadhi mind. A practitioner, a Samadhi practitioner understands things as they really are. So it's actually, I find, my reading is one that um, not only does Bhikkhu Bodhi present in the same way, um, but uh, presents first as if it were something that particularly should uh, draw our attention. So I'm going to finish there. I don't have time for questions right now. I know that we'll get to them. Uh, and the next thing we'd like to do is to bring, I got books, I got iPads. Give me a second. I'd like to, um, we'd like to move to some, to some small group discussion because this, this practice in community is a really important part of our practice together. And later we'll kind of dip some of these teachings in the meditation practice. But here we have an opportunity to just talk in small groups about um, this, these, these ideas that come up with the idea of creating a more 
centered experience in the here and now. So the question we'd like to, uh, to ask you to, to take up with one another is, and we may put it in the chat, but I don't think it's very complicated, the idea that samadhi is something we cultivate and that it's a fruit of practice and that we create the conditions, including things like wise effort, wise samadhi. But what conditions in your meditation practice support the arising of this centeredness of mind, of the collectedness or the gathered togetherness of mind? And how do you maintain the momentum of it? How do you sustain it once it's arisen? So again, what are the conditions in your meditation practice that support samadhi or this gathering, collecting together, centering, grounding of experience of attention? And how do you maintain the momentum? So we'll divide you into groups of um, three or four. And you might, um, you might go around in a circle beginning, let's say, with the person um, who's born earliest in the year, just quickly share birth months or birth dates if you need to within a year, within a month. And um, you might just, when you speak, um, not say everything you know or think about this, but just drop in one comment and then let it go around the circle. It, typically other things will come up as you go. Uh, and, you know, go around a few times. We'll provide uh, about 10 minutes to do this. And so enjoy one another's company. Take this as a, uh, a listening practice and um, just share what conditions help you keep centered in your practice. And once you feel that centering, that sort of movement toward, as, as Chris put it, a center of gravity, how you maintain that momentum. Okay, thank you. Enjoy. Enjoy one another. Yeah. Great. I think that's us. Welcome back. So before we take our break in about seven minutes, we'd just like to see if uh, anybody would like to share anything that came up in the, in the small groups and uh, around conditions and momentum in the practice and in the cultivation of centeredness, collectedness, samadhi. Uh, raise, raise your hand. Probably everybody here knows how to use the Zoom hand found under reactions in the lower right or among the three dots to the upper right of your picture in gallery view or in, in the participants function in the lower left. Uh, if not, wave your hand about, but go ahead and raise your hand if you'd like to speak and um, share anything that's come up. I see Robin's got her hand up. Unmute, please. Oh, uh, Robin, do unmute. There you go. Thank you, David. Thank you, everyone. Oh, um, it was about sustaining. I realized that um, I hadn't thought a lot or heard a lot of teachers talking about how to sustain that stage of samadhi. Uh, I was sharing that it seems to have a life of its own. Um, yeah. And, um, Anyway, that's all. I'd be curious. Nice. You know, I think that's a really nice reflection. And I think you're onto something there that, and you might, the way it comes to me is that we let it have a life of its own. That's oh. part of that allowing. And that is, that is a condition for that momentum to, to let it, let it come forth. So very nicely put, Robin. I see um, Jade's hand up. 
Yeah, I really appreciated one of the questions that came at the tail end of our reflections in our group about sustaining more specifically as everything's changing for us. And just what a great reminder it was that sustaining is a constant calibration towards the needs that emerge in that time and that moment on this day as the seasons change and the days are longer and we're reopening for COVID and it's revisiting, starting again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we come to practice as if we establish balance, say, and then we're kind of on autopilot when a lot of the trick of it seems to be constantly rebalancing, returning, re, you know, that that um, prefix re is, is very useful in the practice. So nicely, nicely put. Chris and Tanya, feel free to weigh in. I, I don't mean to take the floor. Anything that comes up, just throw it in the mix. And I see Laura has her hand up. Yeah, thanks. Oh, one thing I didn't bring up, but I thought about is how um, I'm trying in outside off the cushion to do one thing at a time, hoping that that will set the conditions. Um, and then I get to see how much conditioning I have around how like indulgent it is to do one thing at a time, to not be like listening to something while learning while I'm doing the dishes and did it. And so that's been, I've just been working with that and <laughs> um, seeing if that can help support concentration and practice and well well don't leave us hanging there does it does it help <laughs> what it helps with is I'm I'm really seeing the shooting it helps me see how I'm trying to make something happen when I'm sitting because I'm seeing how much I do that mm-hmm. I'm always trying to the fixer the making it happen and so that helps me to unhook from it while I'm it's helping me begin to unhook from it while I'm sitting yeah. Nice. Well put. Yeah. That balance between making things happen and letting things happen. It's not like there's no effort or no discipline that's needed in the practice. And yet, if anything, we tend to overdo it maybe on that side of things. So yeah, I think you're right. Well put. And Barry, maybe, maybe Barry will have the last uh, question. Yeah. So I get snippets of sana- sana- yeah, samadhi in daily life, like when dancing or walking or watching a good movie, and I have no idea of how to sustain it. I, I consider it more a gift. In my practice, when I'm moving towards samadhi, there are certain signposts that seem to happen all the time. I, I can start hearing my breath. It makes a certain sound. And I'll start getting like these currents in my body. And that's usually as far as I get in practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Nice. Appreciate Appreciate it. Um, yeah. I don't know if Tanya or Chris have something on that. I've got a one thought, but. Um, Chris, you're unmuted. Oh, go ahead, please. Have your thought. You and Tanya, you're unmuted. Why don't you finish, finish up, David? You're doing a beautiful oh. job. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think what, what I notice and, and Barry, uh, Barry and I are known to one another. And, uh, what I, what I think can be really useful in the practice too, is to, uh, I think, I think Chris pointed it out in the early guided, which is 
the 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 utility of really um, sort of bringing our attention to the here-ness and now-ness of things, and so not you know where we're getting or going as much as what's available here, and. You know, it can be, it, it's hard to let go sometimes into that experience. But I think as, as in what you share, Barry, and I appreciate the sharing because it's so it's your experience, I think is like many of ours, um, is really settling into when there's the snippets. Yeah, what's there? What are the conditions there? And I think we each find our own way to sustain or provide the momentum. And yet um, the secrets, if, there's, if it be a secret, is, is just right there in knowing that experience. Um, and that, that attention, um, which is a beautiful thing we can do with the mind, is to bring our attention to something as a way of cultivating it. That's what I would do. Notice what's happening there and, and enjoy it. I'll, I'll add a little something, David, which is that... Um... Just notice the subtlety of your response, Barry, to having that energy start to arise. It sounds like you're quite aware of of how that's a progressive indication of concentration or samadhi happening. And and see if you can't shift um, into receiving mode, allowing mode. Just just whether it keeps coming or not just allowing the space being an open vessel for it to flow through um whenever it comes it comes and you you know when it doesn't it doesn't so i hope that's helpful barry so let's take a break and return at 205 and uh we'll take a long sit afterwards in the kind of the interest of bringing this, cultivating this centeredness that we've been talking about. So till soon, back here. Maybe imagining that you've been called to gather in preparation for the Buddha to come to speak to you. Maybe imagine the anticipation, the awakeness you might feel, the liveliness you might feel in your body as you are sitting here coming into a seated posture with these other fellow practitioners on the path in anticipation of being with the Blessed One, the Buddha. How uplifting it must have felt and inspiring it must have been to be among those who recognize the wisdom in the Buddha's words and guidance, feeling the support 
of being with those who share in the inspiration and the practice. Mindfully taking a seat. Resolved to be present. To wholeheartedly and full-bodiedly open to the teaching of the Buddha. In this stillness, in this alertness, resolving to set aside the memories and resolves related to the household life. Resolving to set aside the hindrances to be curious, peaceful, and accepting. And in possession of this noble mindfulness, even if it's not fully here for you right now, imagining Imagining a mind full of awareness and turning that awareness to watching, receiving, and opening stable, upright, awake and aware in the center of gravity here and now. And imagine the Buddha arriving before you. And asking all of us here, how is mindfulness immersed in the body developed? How is it pursued so as to be of great fruit and benefit? He says, we train I will breathe sensitive to the whole body. Knowing I am breathing in long when I am breathing in long and breathing out long. Knowing when I'm breathing in or out short. Aware of how the breath 
is arriving and passing. Receiving it in a body sensitive to the experience. We train. I will breathe in, calming the body. I will breathe out, calming the mind. I'm just allowing the mind to imagine or to follow the instructions, whichever is more supportive for you. Putting aside concerns or worries. Just knowing, breathing in long or breathing out long. Breathing in short. Breathing out short. Breathing in, I calm the body. Breathing out, I calm the mind. Breathing in, the mind gathers. Breathing in and out, we settle inwardly, growing clear, unified. And further, we reflect on this very body from the soles of the feet on up, from the crown of the head on down. Scanning, feeling, sensing, as the energy and awareness rise up from the feet the ankles and the shins and the knees, the thighs, hips, buttocks, belly. Chest and back breast and shoulders, arms and neck, back of the head,
sides of the head. Face. To the crown of the head. Reflecting from the top, the crown of the head on down, just as if we were looking at a sack with openings full of various kinds of grain. Oh, there's wheat and rice. Oh, there's a face, a cheek, a mouth, from the crown of the head down the back of the head. The sides of the head. From the forehead to the eyes, down the nose to the mouth, and the jaw, the chin, down the neck. Go to the shoulders, down the arms, down the back of the shoulders, down the front of the chest and the heart, the breast, the side body, the ribs, into the belly and the lower back, sinking into the pelvic region, the buttocks, the hips, into the thighs, the back of the thighs, the side of the thighs, the inner of the thighs, into the knees, Knees as knees. The shin and down the shin. And the calf. Landing in the ankles. Ankles are just ankles. The heel. The sole of the foot. The ball of the foot. Each toe from the pinky to the great toe, the top of the foot, with clarity, one recognizes the entire body and reflects on the Buddha's teaching Mindfulness immersed in the body. Having great confidence in the Buddha.
being inspired by the Dhamma. With this inspiration, gladness arises from within, naturally, on its own. Sitting for however long or short, entering the first jhana, secluded, from sensual desire and unskillful states. One enters and abides in the first jhana, which is characterized by joy and happiness, accompanied by thought and examination. The thought is to aim at the breath, vitaka, and vichara to sustain its attention on the breath. With clarity, one sees into the mind Any thoughts might be like those fish that are moving in the water at a distance. Or like quiet waves washing on the shore. His awareness of breathing feels the consciousness, feels the center of our being. With the inhale, one is filled with pleasantness. And with the exhale, pleasant feelings spread throughout the entire body. Giving careful attention, allowing the serenity breath after breath noting how it fades and grows and fills and empties breathing in and breathing out pervading joy and feeling this very body with the pleasure Rapture born of seclusion. In this way, this breathing in, being filled with pleasantness and breathing out, having it spread. May just be like one who would pour bath powder into a brass basin and patiently knead it together, sprinkling it again and again with water 
so that the ball of bath powder, saturated, moisture-laden, permeated within and without, would nevertheless not drip. With this, the arising of tireless energy, aroused and unremitting, mindfulness is established. Lifting off as a bird into the open sky. Open, broad, expansive. And with the stilling of thought, one enters and abides in the second jhana, which is characterized by joy and happiness. And in this state, the body is tranquil and untroubled. Mind concentrated and unified, now soaring in the open sky, broad, unending, and free. Sailing on the winds of happiness born of samadhi and accompanied with serene purity and the unification of the mind. Confident, this is the way. One enters and remains in the second jhana. The body is permeated, pervaded, suffused with the pleasure born of samadhi and samadhiness, seclusion, Just like a lake with spring water welling up from within, a mountain secluded lake, having no inflow from the east, west, north, or south, and with the sky supplying abundant showers time and again, so that the cool fount of water welling up from the lake would permeate and pervade, suffuse, and fill it with cool waters. There being no part of the lake unpervaded by the soothing cool waters. There's nothing left in the entire body that is not unpervaded by rapture and pleasure born of samadhi. Remaining heedful, ardent, 
and resolute. The mind gathers and settles inwardly, grows in unification, And with the fading of joy, one can dwell in equanimity, mindful and clearly comprehending, experiencing pleasure and happiness with the body, peaceful happiness. balanced, present. One enters and abides in the third jhana, equanimous and mindful one abides in pleasure. It is relaxed, at ease, this pleasant abiding. It is peace. Just as in a lotus pond, some of the lotuses born and growing in the water stay immersed in the water. and flourish without standing up out of the water so that they are permeated, pervaded, and suffused and filled with cool water from the roots to their tips. Nothing of the entire body unpervaded with pleasure This is how a noble one develops mindfulness immersed in the body. And there's stilling here. Stilling of the pleasure and the pain Purity, clarity, balance, the firm gravity of being here with mindfulness and equanimity. One enters the fourth jhana, which has no pleasure or pain, only the purity of mind and all of the body is touched by the purity of a pure mind. Just as if one were sitting, covered from head to foot with a white, clean cloth, 
so that there would be no part of the body to which the white cloth did not extend. The noble one sits, permeating the body with a pure, bright awareness. There is nothing of the entire body unpervaded by pure, bright awareness. One remains heedful, ardent, and resolute. Mind gathers and settles inwardly, growing unified and collected.
Thank you for your practice. So we'll move now into breakout groups. But I encourage you to stay with the feeling of gravity or centered or samadhiness. To whatever amount it's present and available. Speak, speak slowly, one idea at a time. And when you reach your breakout rooms, I encourage you to go in a circle sharing way. And just offer words or images or feelings, sensations, simile to describe any feeling of groundedness, collectedness, centeredness, samadhi, and open to what others share. And just take your time going around and around, creating a collective pool, cool pool of things that describe the experience of being samadhied. So you'll have 10 minutes in the breakout room. I look forward to seeing you back here. Are we ready to go, Chris? Okay. Hello, Samadhied ones. Suffused, pervaded, hopefully with the pleasure of connecting with each other. Welcome back. Nice to see the smiles. Almost all here, unless maybe we had some people drop out. I don't know. So um, let's just open it up. Um, you know, any any takeaways, questions that anyone wants to share um, about your experience at any point today, really? All right, Russell. Um, yeah, I think I've heard the word rapture maybe twice today. I think, mm-hmm. and. I have encountered that a bit, and I, I know how that word is defined in, in daily conversation, but I'm thinking maybe Buddhism has a definition there. I, I'm not real clear whether it's something to um, 
move toward or move away from or yeah just observe david as the scholar here would you like to respond to that question um i appreciate being called a scholar here i think that's I think you mean that in a nice way. Um, yeah, that word, the word that's frequently translated as um, rapture is pity. And uh, and there are for a couple words that are... Pithy this, or pity? Pity, P-I-T-I. Uh, and, and what I would say is this. The people who made the translations were late 19th century colonial British Christian administrators of India, that part of the British empire. And so they drew on words that were familiar to them from their traditions. I like to substitute words that, you know, make maybe more sense to me. So if rapture doesn't feel like something that is easy to understand, I think there are other ones that come to mind. And um, I guess the most important part of your question that I would like to respond to is just to say, yes, lean into it. (laughs) There are famous passages where the Buddha makes it clear, or we have in the Buddha's voice, that the pleasures that arise in meditation, the contentment, the physical uh, sensations of pleasure, which is what piti tends to refer to, and sort of the mental contentment or openness or warmth that can come up with the practice and that characterize the samadhi mind, these pleasures would be to, de- to be developed, says the Buddha, not to be feared. So that's worth keeping in mind. We lean into these. This pleasure is part of the path. Beautiful answer, David. Thank you so much. Anyone else want to share how that was um, in your groups? or Oh, Sean, uh, would you like to share? Great. Yeah, I, I wasn't really, hopefully you can hear me all right I wasn't really going to mention it, but it was something that came up near the end of our conversation is what I read this morning, preparing for uh, class today. And then what David mentioned, rapture. So it's about Plato and what he wrote about meditation. He said that it was the ardent turning of the soul towards the divine, not to ask for any particular good, and in brackets, as is the common meaning of prayer, but for good itself, for the universal supreme good. And so I just wanted to share that because that's what I take away from that. This um, bliss, this pity, uh, rapture uh, to commune with the divine or the equanimity. So Beautiful, Sean. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for the opportunity. Ah, more opportunities here if anybody else wants to share. And quietness is okay. That's sometimes the result. Oh, Uri. Hi, Uri. Would you like to share? Or Hi. I, I wanted to ask a question. I suppose that's the same as sharing what's on my mind in a way. Sure. Um, I guess I'm a month late maybe for this question, but the I can get, I can get concentrated and calm um, in meditation sometimes. How do I how do I take that with me? Because I have a clear experience of being calm or being engaged, active, especially in, 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 with other people. It just takes me out, and I never get back in. It's like a, a feeling of being swept away. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, 
here's some uh, something that I often um, suggest, and everybody can do this right now. So imagine that you have a compass, a gauge, and that gauge will reflect where your awareness is pointed. And the gauge can be pointed all the way out to the other things and people around you. Or the gauge can be pointed all the way in, which it would be samadhied, right? Closer to that anyway. And then the gauge can be right in the center. So if right now you might experience trying to be aware of your breath, your body, as you're listening. You might try to be aware of responses to what I'm saying and knowing you're here. And so what you might want to try is just more frequently checking that gauge, right? And seeing if you can't pull it in a little bit more and then breathe with it for a second, right? And just, just slowly increasing that. How's that landing for you, Uri? That sound, it's, it's, it's a good, like, I don't know what I think it's good advice because you're not saying to do it, but just to check where it is all the time, <laughs> not to force the issue. Yeah, yeah. So I like that. I will try that. Beautiful. Yeah. And just, you know, in small ways, maybe when you start, start by, um, when you get up to go to the bathroom, just see if you can't be aware of your breathing as you walk to the bathroom, you know, and just sort of just start practicing kind of staying connected to the inner experiences you're moving about. Yeah. All right. Um, so looks like we're good for asking, you know, comments, but let's just broaden it. If you have more to say, feel free, but you know, here we are, this is our last time as a, as a whole cohort, cohort, oh my goodness, cohort, um, <clears throat> before the day long, which is June 19th. And perhaps some of you won't be able to join us. <clears throat> yeah, and hopefully many of you will. But we kind of just really are interested in opening it up um, for you all and just sort of discussing reflections on the path, the program, questions. Maybe I'll start with this question. And what is the significance of your experience with this program? What is the significance for you of your experience in this program? And if a few people would start off with some kind of response, that would be, that would be beautiful. Please, Francesca, 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 Francesca. <laughs> well, th this is the first time I, I do this novel Eightfold Path learning, practicing for over 18, eight months now. Uh, I got a better understanding and better view of what is the the teachings of the Buddha 
I certainly understand now that I could summarize it in saying, be a good person, be a loving person to anyone and everyone, everywhere, all the time. So I, I and I'm sure I'm, I will need to work a lot to, to get better myself, but it's something that because of this teaching, I understand that I could go day after in and day out. Mm-hmm. I'm still debating if I will do the second year this year or next year, if I want to give a, a gap in between. Mm-hmm. But it certainly is, it was a very valuable experience for my practice, for me as a person and for the people around me. Ah, oh, beautiful. Thank you, Thank you Francesca. Thank you. Hi, Anne. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say for me this year, it got me through COVID, the COVID year, um, in a really wholesome way, I think. And I think because um, it was a year of of needing to um, kind of shelter, um, I paid more attention to everything um, than I, more than I probably would have if I had been very busy and doing my normal lifestyle. So I feel fortunate that I did it this year. It's my first time through and um, feel like because of the COVID sheltering in place, I had a real chance to delve into it deeply. And I I just appreciated all the lessons and all the good time, good quality time that afforded me this year. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Carrie, hi. Well, for me, um, before I took this course, I, um, you know, kind of dabbled in meditation. You know, I did a day long here or there and tried to get a meditation practice. But in going through this with all of you, I feel like now I finally have a context, mm. you know, a right view. Yeah. And so now when I'm reading things, I, it's like I, I can like dig, I have some place where I go, oh, I want to, I want to get into this a little deeper. And now I've got kind of a framework where I can dive in and do that. And before then it was, I had no framework or context. Mm, beautiful, Carrie. Thank you. Other thoughts, reflections? Gail. Just using today as an example, um, I'm I'm just amazed and um, uh, touched very deeply by by what you all of your teachers have offered us, um, it, and and the group that I was just in um, 
it, it seemed like the, the fruit, the part of the fruit of, of all of this, it just seemed like real communion was, was happening. Um, it just was making me cry. It was so beautiful. Um, so um, gratitude, that's, that's what our group ended on, and that's, that's what I'm wanting to say right now. Thank you. Thank you, Gail. Thank you. Robin. Thank you. I feel a lot of gratitude as well. I'm <laughs> trying not to feel, uh, uh, what's the word? Well, disappointed in myself. Uh, I've kind of tuned in and out of this program and uh, I don't even want to <laughs> try to guess what all the reasons are, but I, um, I think I'd like to do this a second time with a little more discipline. Uh, I was just so touched by the care that all you teachers and, and um, all of the support, the questions that we were to um, uh, reflect on each week were fabulous and I didn't do it very much, you know, so I, um, I'm just confessing and uh, hoping to do it better in the future. So Robin, I encourage you to savor every minute that you did engage. Thank you. And, and that you will bringing wise attention, right? to that experience that felt supportive and to the heart that is warming and being called to do more by focusing on that you feed that and that is likely to arouse more energy and more joy and more interest in the practice thank you yeah thank you could could I add something to that, Tanya? Please. I, I really appreciate that comment, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's others here and others who will hear the recording that that feel themselves, you know, to be in the same place. And so do we. Um, the eightfold path of practice is is a way of meeting experience. The word path is also something that we have associations with, and it's very common that we think of it as a way to get somewhere instead of a way to be here now. And in the original words used, and this is something I like to play around with, um, the word path is actually a word that would maybe better be translated way. And it has the same resonance in English. It can be a way to the store, or it can be a way to be here. So this is a path, if we want to use the notion of path, that just goes deeper and deeper. And it's, it's about constantly returning. We talked about that re-prefix earlier, constantly returning to here and now, rebalancing, rebringing our attention here, reconnecting with the heart. Um, so you're, you're, you're in this path, you know. I am. <laughs> Thank you. So in the order of people appearing, I have Fran, then Barry, then Bowie. Um, gratitude is the word that I very strongly feel right now. 
especially that you didn't abandon us when COVID came up and we could no longer meet at the Sangha. You found a new way to, to bring it to us and to keep us involved and, and learning. And I just really appreciate that, that you, you didn't give up and found ways to do it electronically. Thank you, Fran, and thank you for not giving up. Yeah, hi. Um, yeah, I, I just really uh, am too, I'm grateful and want to thank the facilitators and the participants um, for making the experience what it's been. I definitely plan to repeat this. I Part of my practice is realizing that I get more, a, a lot more out of redundancy. Um, uh, I, yeah. So, um, and you all give a lot of tools. Um, and as I say in another program, it, 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 it works if you work it. And I can definitely work it more. So that's another reason I'm gonna repeat. So thanks. Thank you, Barry. Thank you so much. Bowie. Hi. Um, yeah, I, I would like to echo the gratitude that many others have shared for this program. Um, I joined this program after about a four-day retreat, uh, online retreat uh, at the end of last year with the pandemic going on. And it really, it really showed me how great this practice is. And continuing on this A4 Path program helps me even deepen this practice even more. Um, and it gave me this realization, or gave me this, this uh, very valuable Sangha that as part of the three Jews, that was so valuable to, to the practitioners here. And I'm just really grateful with this, this venue that's provided by the teachers, the instructors, and every participant here. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I really want to emphasize, and Barry said this, and you're saying this, how, how important the whole Sangha is, right, to this program, to it flowering, to it supporting. Uh, I got a, a private message from Pamela Butler um, that I think I'll share. It's about, you know, responding to this question. She says, the breakout Sangha has been so supportive and helpful in my exploration of the Dharma and in giving me a place to share my thoughts. I will always treasure that. So here we are again, the gem of the Sangha, right? Um, yeah, beautiful. So, um, Chris, do you want to kind of talk about the what next part? Do you want to sort of facilitate that conversation? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first thing that's next is our day long on June 19th. And uh, that'll be a day that is somewhat like, uh, well, kind of like today, only longer, where we have, we have time to meditate and we have some breakout groups and we'll have some talk, couple talks and, and uh, 
So it's a little bit, a little bit like a longer version of today. And we're also going to look, we may look during that day, the path is, I love what, what was just said about the path being like a way, a way of life. And that's mostly the way I hold it. But there is also the idea of growing freedom. And so there are sometimes a couple more factors that are mentioned uh, after the end of the eightfold path, so to speak. There are more ways that it deepens, essentially. So there's a couple more factors that we might talk about. We'll probably talk about at the day long. So uh, I hope you can join us there. And it's been mentioned a lot that many people do repeat this course. Uh, People find it helpful a second time through and uh, we expect again to be able to provide individual mentoring for people who like would like to have a monthly private or small group meeting with uh, teachers so um, the dates for next year haven't been decided yet but they will appear on the website in the same place where this description is probably um, after the day long sometime early mid look in July sometime and uh no, you're welcome to do it again. Um, I think there are a couple of courses coming up next year that might be of interest to you. There's a year, I think Gil is going to offer again a year-long course that he calls the Equivalence of Ethics and Enlightenment. That's uh, and uh, his, you know, looking in depth at Buddhist ethics and how this relates to our freedom and peace of mind. It's a wonderful course that we all of us, I think, took it last time he offered it. So um, good look out for that one. And I think there's also going to be, if if you were intrigued by David's uh, reading, and so occasionally we read from the suttas today, I think there's going to be a, a longer offering of sutta study next year also. So those might be things if you want to go deeper, think you've, you don't want to repeat this course, but do something else. Those are some options. And uh, I, do you all have anything to add to what might be next for people? No, I think that was beautiful, Chris. I think just um, if it's possible when we do the day long, I'm hoping to know a little more if there's any other offerings to be able to have those shared, maybe even if we're lucky, maybe one of the teachers from one of those classes will be able to attend as well. Um, and yeah, I think that the think the thing is just just the question is really what's next for you. There's many offerings at IMC. You have to kind of go and look on the website under um, what's year-long programs. I think it's called, um, and usually the you know, applications are open in the summer and the programs usually start in the fall. Um, Sally, I see you have a hand up. Hi, yeah. Uh, One of the things that was really um, especially beneficial to me during this study was um, when you all gathered the email addresses and I shot something out. And so I've had a practice group for this whole time, which has been just a tremendous help. And so, you know, if that still exists and people want to form groups is kind of a way to continue the path. Um, that was something that was very helpful um, for me in this. It's been, it's been great. Thank you. This has been just fantastic. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that you took that up and, and 
made a group out of it. I didn't get much feedback on how that, whether that was used or not. So I'm glad to hear. And yes, that's definitely another way that many people follow up is to form small groups and continue to study. So we don't need any answers. We don't have to spend the whole time. I do want to invite you to sit with this question, though, for a minute of what's next for you. And I also want to really emphasize, um, maybe reinforce a few, few things that were said earlier in different ways. But, you know, essentially the Buddha's teachings and the way he brought them forward was to say, come and see, come and see, come see for yourself. They're, they're to be engaged with, to be experienced. And I also want to say that you can have all kinds of experiences and insights, but they become a memory that the only way to have the experience is to keep engaging keep engaging and you'll find that in my experience you know just like everything in life it's it changes right what, what you experience changes in some way or another so I, just what is next for you what does your heart long for Gail, would you like to share? Um, I wanted to uh, put in that I've really uh, enjoyed having several Dharma buddies during this course. And uh, on the phone um, with, with one, Cheryl, um, we just went through Bhikkhu Bodhi's book together and, and shared what we had underlined. <laughs> and in the process, uh, so much came out. Um, and I, don't, I haven't checked to see whether there's reading for the, for the day long, but I was gonna say the very end of Bhikkhu Bodhi's book, the, the last, chapter um we we both thought that was just wonderful um and it is is that already planned or in other words um it just seems like it'd be a good thing for for us to um um come together on in terms of the whole eightfold path seeing together that's a, a beautiful I just, I just recommend it, I guess. Yeah. That, that last chapter. Great. Thank you. We don't, Gil has a couple of other papers in the list of things you've been reading from him that relate to the end of the course also, so you could look at those. 
One thing that occurs to me when whenever this program starts in September, it starts with right view. And of course, that's important to begin with. But I also feel like it's kind of a challenging, it's kind of hard to understand what that means a little bit and and to relate to that factor. So it could be especially interesting to go back and look at that and see see if your understanding of that has deepened over the year. And you might ask yourself how, how if maybe you have different answers. Those would be particularly good questions to look at again and see how, how, uh, how your view of what it's all about has developed over the year. Jill, would you like to share? Just a quick thought about the June 19 that um, I joined a couple, um, I joined late, so never connected with any Dharma buddies. And that would be a real enhancement for moving forward. Next fall is what I probably think will happen. <laughs> yeah. Yes. was never quite sure how, how to connect. So um, if there's some, some suggestion on that. If you want to uh, mail the course your contact information, I can send you uh, a copy of the list of contacts that we had created. Well, I'm breathing in, experiencing being here with you all. And breathing out much joy and gratitude and appreciation. So David or Chris, do you have any final words before we, we sign off? Um, I like to say this, just that, uh, that there's no insiders and outsiders in the IMC community of practice that, that, this is how we practice and that this practicing together and it takes many different forms is, uh, is, is a rich part of the experience of IMC. So if you felt like an outsider or still do welcome, we don't have any outsiders. Uh, and by virtue of participating, even if just once in, in this class, you're, you're part of us. And so just, just like to end with that, that, the the sangha uh, to which we in which we take refuge is here, right here. Beautiful, thank you, David. All right, maybe I'll ring the bell three times. And Chris, actually, would you dedicate the merit? Yes, let's let's share so much merit. It's all the merit of all these people practicing this path of wisdom and compassion all year long. So much merit to be shared. 
May all the wholesome energies of all of our practice this year, may it be dedicated to the welfare, the happiness, and the liberation of all beings everywhere, radiating out boundlessly in all directions. To our families, to our friends, to everyone, all beings everywhere. And with that, are you going to ring a bell, Chris? You don't have to. I was going to say we could all unmute. And- I have a bell. <laughs> Take care, everyone, until our paths cross next. Feel Thank free you. to unmute and share blessings as you go. Gracias a todos. Thank you. Thank you. Talk a year from each of us, you know. Okay. So let's let's start by just you, Bruni, um, Ying, yeah. and myself meeting, and yeah. then we'll see what we've got in terms yeah. of uh, availability and commitment. Yeah. Sounds that sounds reasonable to me. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you, Chris. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye.